Welcome to Shh, It's the Library, the podcast. The podcast is based on the premise that you're on a northern rail train to nowhere and you're not going to get home quickly. So to keep yourself entertained, we're going to offer you the journey with three books that have had some sort of influence on you and a bit of music. You can choose one album for a bit of light relief. Just remember... This is a journey. It feels like you're on the Trans-Siberian Express to Wigan and there aren't any pies at the end. I'm Kieran. And I'm James. So as a relative newcomer to the NHS, myself and Kieran thought it'd be a good idea to create a podcast. We would like to extend our reach beyond our traditional user base. Um, as the trust is massive, we thought it'd be a really interesting and fun way to speak to people in a relaxed informal environment and um, for me as well there was a, a personal motivation in that I'm quite passionate about the image of libraries and I would like to change it from an entity that is static and quiet to a place where you can gain knowledge and essentially connect with people and I think myself and Kieran are very passionate about that I think we also share a punk or a DIY ethos to our work ethic and instead of us humming and hawing we thought we would just get stuck in and create a podcast. Right so Kieran what is your first book of choice today? Okay so uh, I'm gonna pick my standard librarian answer because every librarian has their standard favourite book just in case they get asked the question and that's going to be The Historian's Craft by Mark Block. It's a wonderful piece of historiography um, written during the Second World War by a French Jew who was a leading light in uh, a historical school, the School of the Analyst. And basically it explains the study of the study of history. And the key thing for me that that came out, well, there were two key things. One was that... uh, if another academic discipline does something well and has a methodology that you should use, use it, rob it. Uh, and I've used that throughout my life. I mean, it's a bit like uh, Chumbawamba said, there's only eight notes, so you're going to rob other people's songs. That was the, the first lesson of the first church of Chumbawamba. So let's just use that. So that's uh, work smarter as yeah. opposed to working harder. Work smarter rather than harder. If somebody else has got something that you can use, use it. Uh, Acknowledge it, because you don't want to plagiarise. That would be dreadful, but use it. Um, And you can see that written through the the works of people like the KLF. And, you know, it's there. And I think the other thing that it it taught me was um, chance plays a really important role in history. 
And as historians, we don't take enough notice of things just happen. Um, and I guess career-wise for me, that's take the opportunities when they come along. Don't overthink it, just do it. Um, and I think the other thing for me as a book, um, you can see some of this stuff happening in other academic disciplines. So if you look at nursing, nursing as an academic discipline makes use of sociology, philosophy, um, various different types of research methodology. You could say the same about medicine. I mean, there's an increasing interest in humanities in the medicine. So I think, you know, it, it's just a cracking little book and it's a really accessible read. Um, I mean, I know the sort of history, the study of history as an academic discipline sounds really boring. But the this, history of history. Yeah, this this book is just so easy to read. Um, I kind of loved, I mean, I read this when I was 18. I got given it by my history teacher who said, read this, you need to read it if you're going to study history. Um, I love the fact it ends mid-sentence because not only was Mark Bloch Jewish, but um, he was a member of the French Resistance got caught by the Germans and they just took him out and shot him before he finished the book. Um, and, and, and it's just an incredibly powerful ending. <laughs> I can't think of a more perfect ending for this book. Um, and it's just a cracking read. And it's been with me now since I was 18, so that's what? 30 years, 40 years, something like that. A few, a few years ago, Kieran. A wee while. Well, to be honest, from the way you're, the way you've kind of articulated it, it doesn't sound as scary as I would have thought. Because I remember studying history in university, and then when I came to historiography, I was like, right, I can't get my head around this. So it actually seems quite accessible, and even just that ending as well brings more of that kind of personal touch. Whereas whenever you read a history book, it's from an academic, and it's very be quite drab i wouldn't say dreary but it can be yeah i mean i think i think again sometimes we make a big deal out of reading academic and worthy books and yeah i suppose this is an academic and worthy book but it's a cracking read mm. and that's my bottom line is it's a cracking read okay. so do you think people who have a general interest in history would be interested i, th I think it's it's a really accessible book. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's possibly not your average. I've got an interest in history. Read, but I'd certainly recommend it to people. I mean, I have recommended it to people. Um, I've, I've said to people, just read this, and I've even lent my copy out several times. Even if you have an interest in World War Two, I mean. It's going to be relatable considering he didn't even get to finish the book because of, of what happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was an immense figure. I mean, I think the the, the whole school of the Annalise taught history a lot. But, you know, I'm a fan. Great. So, it's kind of related. We've got, a, we've got another question. So, 
We're going to go on to your second book choice in a minute, but we've got an important question which we are going to ask all of our guests throughout this podcast. So, do you prefer the physical book or the digital? Okay, I don't actually have a preference for one over the other. Um, I probably read more digitally because I commute from just outside Wigan, so I spend quite a lot of time on public transport. Uh, I like the fact that I've got a couple of hundred books available to me on the phone. Um, I like the fact that I've got just over 70,000 tunes available to me on the phone um, and that's convenient um, but then I don't knock just opening a hard copy book um, I think a hard copy book can be a beautiful object at times um, when I was at library school I did historical bibliography as a subject and we looked at some of the printing of a guy called Baskerville um, printed in the 18th century and they were just beautiful books there was no illustration just plain text easy to read mm. and because the layout was great the typography was great you just looked at these books and just thought wow no other word for it wow and then equally we had a group probe of the Gutenberg Bible at Eton College and um, it was all in all in black letter and you looked at it and you thought I can't read that I mean notwithstanding it was in Latin and I don't understand Latin (laughs) yeah a bit of an issue there (laughs) Um, but you know it was one of those I'm going to sit on the fence this week because I'm going to give my answer the next week because I'm going to be the the next guest so yeah cool I'm going to shy away from that one right so we're going to move on to your second book so my second book is um, The Little World of Don Camillo, uh, Giovanni Guarecci. Um, they're just little Italian short stories written just post-war. Um, and they consist of a uh, Catholic priest, uh, Don Camillo, and uh, communist mayor, Pepone. Um, and they're just little cautionary tales about how opposing forces work together uh, and there is a certain level of symbiosis between the two um, so I mean the, the classic story that I always quote when I'm talking about this book is um, the pair of them go out um, poaching and one of them shoots a hare Don Camillo boxes Pepone's ears and takes the hare but when Pepone arrives at home, there's the hare waiting for him on the doorstep. Um, and throughout the books, there's um, a bit of chat between Don Camillo and the crucifix in the church because that acts as his sort of conscience. Um, and they're just nice little stories. You can pick them up. You can read them in a short sort of time. You can put them down. You can go and do something. You can pick them up again and carry on from where you left off and and sometimes that's just what you need you just need something that's easy to read funny um, so there's like tales of morality but it's not so bogged down in in detail it's just an easy read yeah and, and they're just little stories of life in the valley of the Po, just post war and they're just nice yeah. 
it's quite an interesting uh, landscape as well and the kind of dichotomy between the local communist party and the and the clergy yeah but i mean again i guess there's a historical theme here you know i mean it's something that interests me is the the way that people transmit ideas and the way that people understand their world so you know it, it's one of those and i guess they're more similar than they are opposite as well yeah and i think that that's one of the sort of key lessons that that, that you know they both need each other to exist mm. um it, it's part of the well i mean it's dialectic isn't it mm. <laughs> no, that sounds really interesting i mean i had whenever you describe the book i do have like illusions of <clears throat> from the belt holds by hemingway um i know it's a different country but i just had that same kind of image in my head I mean, I, I love For Whom the Bell Tolls, and um, I recently made my partner watch the movie with um, Gary Cooper, and uh, she said it was the most boring movie she's ever seen. <laughs> so that, that that really didn't work. But as a book, it's a cracking book. Um, I mean, likewise, likewise, A Farewell to Arms, I love that book as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think the power and the beauty of a book is that it's your imagination who kind of paints that landscape so when people say oh do you prefer the book or prefer the movie yeah and, and some things really just work as books um i mean pacoon a spike milligan novel um it's quite surreal so it just wouldn't work in real life but in your head it works um flan o'brien's the third policeman uh, as well oh, right. uh, i don't think i've seen that maybe i have Hmm. I have to think about that one. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the the power of your imagination, actually. And I think it's something that some people don't want to tap into because they're like, "Oh, actually, I I'm not creative or I'm not imaginative at all." But I think once you start that process of reading, and then like, actually, I can picture what's happening here. Yeah, and I think I think you know you can lose yourself in a good book you can go to other places you can visit other countries you can visit other locations and thought sets it, it, it's just a nice thing to do and it does sound like a cliche but sometimes cliches are actually true and it's breaking down that cliche or that barrier that some people may have with books and hopefully from this podcast we might break down some of those barriers but who knows can only try yeah right so do you have any early memories of books or reading or of literature playing an important part of your formative years, so to say? Yeah, I mean, I, my my mum was a primary school teacher until I came along. I, I kind of ruined that career for her. Um, and uh, I got taught to read from an early age. I mean, I got taught with Janet and John. So I remember these, these awful books that you'd read to learn to read. Um, I remember some of the sort of phonics and the flashcards she'd use. Um, but what I really remember about my early sort of literary sort of life is my grandmother Gert sitting me on her knee and reading to me from the Tiger Tim Annual. And at the end of each story, you'd be like, read! <laughs> um, and my grandparents, uh, my grandfather was a vet on that side of the family. Um, they were always having reading books there were always books around 
Uh, I remember him reading about goldfish once for about half an hour because he had a goldfish coming in. I remember saying to him, you know, is, is that all you need to read about goldfish? And he said, yeah, that's about all there is. Um, there's not much you can do with a goldfish. Um, but also, I mean, it, it was a, a thing you'd regularly go down to the local library with them. Um, my mother would take me to the local library. Um, in the local library, there was a, a wonderful, who I now know to be a library assistant, Mrs. Page, who was this sort of motherly figure that would show you where the shelves were and let you browse. And uh, Perfect name as well, Mrs. Page. Yeah, I mean, she was like the, the town mayor. Um, and then I remember sort of, eight or nine being given an adult reading ticket so that was quite cool um being shown to how to use a library catalogue and those days it was a card catalogue uh so you know i mean they're early sort of happy memories of being in wallingford but time moves on i guess and do you think it's important to encourage reading for children at a young age yeah, I mean, I think that it's a really good thing to encourage people to read. And, and I always say that, you know, it doesn't really matter what people read. I mean, my son likes graphic novels. I don't get on with graphic novels, but that's the thing he likes. He likes fanfic, which is quite cool. Um, and he's actively reading it. And that's the main thing. I mean, he's, he's 22 now, so... I'm just believe he's still reading, really. I think reading anything is important. I mean, I've worked in public libraries previous to this health library job, and there are some really good initiatives to encourage children to read. So we had like a summer reading challenge, which was really... I loved doing it because I was promoting literature to children, and then they would be rewarded each week by getting a star or... a star or like a, a badge and stuff. Um, so having those incentives in public libraries are really important because I think parents they're obviously busy they might be working so at times they don't think that there's a resource out there and from what I was reading like even if you can read to um, a baby in a womb and apparently that's good for their development so I'm obviously very biased in that I'm a librarian I think it's very important to kind of introduce a love of reading from an early age even in the womb so, um, slightly oddly, I'm going to choose an audiobook. Um, we've actually got the hard copy because I've just bought it for the library uh, at the weekend. And it's I Want to Be Yours by uh, John Cooper Clark. Um, it's basically his autobiography. And the audiobook is read by John Cooper Clark. And it's just like his poetry. It's fast-paced. It's hilariously funny um, I listened to it on the commute here and back home for about a week and I think I scared every other commuter because I was sat chuckling in my seat um, which is never a good move if you're a commuter um, I mean it, it, it's quite a good social history because he was brought up in Salford uh, of Manchester in the sort of late 60s 70s um, you know, people like the Quality Street Gang appear in it. Uh, Bernard Manning, uh, Marky Smith from The Fall. Um, 
it, it, it's just a totally delightful listen. Um, I'm sure it's a totally totally delightful read. Uh, but I got to confess, I've not actually read it. I've just listened to it. Well, I've read the first few pages of it, and in my head, I'm doing his accent very badly. But I think the way you read it is read through spoken word, which is quite bizarre really interesting at the same time but I think that that's um, very much the case I mean I book a, bought a book by uh, a guy called Ken Ward who was one of my lecturers in Ulster um, mass communication on the, world, on the modern world and one of the things I find if I read that uh, I can hear Ken speaking it, it it's just weird um, I, I think maybe there is something about if you know the voice of the person that's written it you do hear it in that voice do you think you're more engaged with the text then? If you know the author personally and if you're actually speaking those words in his voice or her voice? I find myself sat in a lecture theatre in Ulster. I can I can yeah. actually picture myself in the four hours that we had on media history uh, waiting for the break where you could nip out and get a coffee. Um, but... He was a great lecturer. I mean, of, of all of the lecturers I had, I think he's the one that sort of lived with me. Maybe David Sturdy, the late David Sturdy, who's my personal tutor. But they were a good bunch. Um, hmm. So what you're saying is the power of the book is you can actually time travel. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think similarly with um, music, there's certain musical phrases that I can find myself in a field in Derbyshire with um, festivals I've been to or uh, most notably a field in Garston um, you know I did, it, it's just one of those things I think uh, music, books whatever you, you do travel to different places with different people well any art form I'd argue um, I think the beauty of John Cooper Clarke is it's it's, it's poetry, but in, not in the traditional sense of what some people might assume that poetry is. So it's spoken word and it's kind of like a first thought, best thought kind of ethos. And it's, I guess it's a, an art form that is, how would you say it? I would argue it's a working class art form. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um I mean, a lot of the poets that I like tend to be those um, performance poets, so people like uh, Martin Newell or uh, Benjamin Zephaniah, Roger McGough even, um, Attila the Stockbroker. Um, people that broke down those barriers that um, poetry is this highfalutin art form. It's not. It's just spoken language. Um, and it's everyday language as well. It's quite. It can be quite gritty. It can be quite dirty. It can be what you imagine growing up in Salford in the fifties and sixties would be. And it can be really short as well. I mean, there's a great poem by um, John Hageley, um where he's talking about the middle class status that his university degree confers on him. And I'll read it to you now. Uh, it says, "I remember Luton when I'm swallowing my crouton." And that's it. That's the whole poem. That's all you need sometimes. <laughs> um, it's to the point. 
I mean, he's he's great live. I mean, he'll come on stage and he'll look at the audience and say, is anyone out there wearing glasses? And people shyly put their hands up. And uh, the next thing he'll say, is anyone wearing contact lenses? And because everyone with glasses has put their hand up and everything's been fine, they, with gay abandon, put up their hands only for him to yell traitors at them. Oh. Right, so... Your choices have been quite interesting in that one's been an audiobook, one's been a physical book, and I'm going to guess that you read the second book on a Kindle of sorts? Yeah, almost certainly. Um... Okay, that's great. So I think you've got a real kind of mix, and I think it goes back to our kind of conversation we had earlier about the digital or the physical and I think you can embrace both and enjoy both mediums rather than saying, right, of being militant on be either being digital or, or the physical. So I'm quite happy with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, the content is the key thing. Um, and I don't really worry about the media that I'm actually addressing the content with because it's the same content. Um, but I think it's each to their own, really. Mm, I think whatever works for you, really. And that's the main thing. I think we're done talking about books for today, but we've got one final question which we're going to be asking throughout the podcast series just to add a bit more lightheartedness to it because, I mean, this isn't going to be series. These aren't serious discussions. Right, so Kieran, what is one album you would bring with you to a desert island? Okay, so at the moment it's going to be the Swansea Sound. If you ask me in 10 seconds, it will be something else. Uh, they've got an album out live at the Rum Punchin. Um... The Swansea Sound are Amelia Fletcher from Tallulah Gosh, Heavenly, Marine Research, The Catenary Wires, and the list goes on. She litters my record collection. Uh, her husband, Rob Percy, uh, Hugh from The Poo Sticks, a uh, drummer called John. Um, the album addresses things like uh, the sort of whole... Uh, indie world and the uh, exploitation of music I mean there's a song about how Daniel Eck wants to buy the Arsenal um, and you've got wealth in um, Mark Zuckerberg uh, Jeff Bezos there's this whole sort of arch humour throughout the thing which I think is, is fairly prevalent with a lot of the music that I listen to um, it's slightly punky you can hear sort of shades of the Ramones there, it's jangly in places it, it's just absolutely superb can't recommend it enough uh, and talking of music uh, we also have to give a quick shout out to Nervous Twitch who provided the theme music um, I dropped them a, a message and, and said to them could we use it, so we have got permission just in case people are worried about copyright. We're librarians, so we should, yeah, we've got our bases covered. And more importantly, do you listen digitally or would you prefer more classical, like on a vinyl? I tend to listen to things digitally. Uh, it's just so much more convenient. Um, I do like the theatre of putting a bit of vinyl on. You know, that, that moment you bring the... Uh, needle down to the record and you've got that crunch but um 
to be honest, I seldom listen to vinyl these days. Um, I can't even be bothered to reach for a CD for a CD player. I'll probably convert it to digital. I'm getting lazy in my old age, I think. Um, so, uh, sorry, Jay and Erin from Nervous Twitch. You know, I apologise. <laughs> yeah, there is something to be said about vinyl. People might construe it as being a bit up your own arse. But I think, personally, I love listening to vinyl. And I feel like I actually listen to the music properly. In that you can't really skip tracks. You only turn it around to, to listen to the other side. So I think it's a better music experience. I've, I've got to confess, one of the things that I really, really don't like is a shuffle feature. People construct an album in a certain order. Their playlist, is it? And you should listen it, to it in the order in that the order constructed that's, it. That's why it was recorded that way um, but that's just people have a lot more um, options on how to listen to music now as well and, and curate your own playlists I mean Spotify or Apple Music essentially curate music based on your, your interests so I mean it's, it's based on algorithms but I mean I think that's a talking point for another another day. Algorithms. Yeah. I mean, I have done the whole sort of song a day thing. Um, okay. On so Instagram. The song a day, just. So somebody will come give you a, a prompt for a song a day, and you'll pick a song from the prompt, and you'll then share the artwork and a link to it. And but it has to be a different song. Yeah, it has to be a different song. Different artist. I have my own internal rules. I don't like to have. Um, the same artist twice in a month yeah I think that's fair enough um, but then that goes back to the days that you might have made a mixtape for someone a mixtape that's that's just before my time I think mixtapes yeah the, the, these days they'd be a playlist I don't think people do it anymore though it's not as romantic because I mean when you did a mixtape back in the day you'd have to like put in a lot of work wouldn't you well I don't know I mean I think that Whenever you come up with a playlist, I mean, you do carefully curate it. You think about what goes with what, mm. what sort of message you're trying to send, even if it's to yourself. <laughs> Self-love uh, yeah. is the most important thing. So I guess that that's really bringing us to a close. So we hope you enjoyed it. We definitely did. <laughs> and we're just kind of glad we got something out there. And I hope at least one person listens to it and enjoys it. Yeah, I will be looking at the statistics, so be warned. Okay, goodbye. Thank you, bye.